what if we could get people that have really their own personal knowledge and experience to volunteer as open books and help us challenge what we think we know about other groups in the community. So to be another source for information, another source of learning, but on a more individual basis, you could say it would be like sitting across from the author and asking them, what did you mean when you wrote in chapter nine on page six? Instead, you could just ask the person right there. This is Ronnie Abergel. He runs a library that doesn't lend out books. Instead, you can actually borrow another human being. Sounds strange, right? Well, let me ask you something. What usually comes to mind when you think of a library? It's the home for books, right? A place you go for knowledge or good stories. But have you ever considered what a library means in the 21st century? You might have noticed that libraries look a lot different today than even a few decades ago. When you think about it, Libraries reflect the developments occurring in the world around us, and they play a vital role in creating open, innovative, and sustainable societies. In this episode, we'll explore how they do that, and why some people see libraries as the beating heart of modern communities. I'm Afton Halloran, and you're listening to the Nordic Talks podcast. According to the International Federation of Library Associations and Institutions, there are 2.6 million libraries worldwide. In the Nordics, like many places, libraries are seen as a cornerstone of modern welfare and general democratic education. This might be one of the reasons why literacy rates in the Nordics are among the highest in the world. And some emerging democracies worldwide are looking to the Nordic region for inspiration on how to enlighten their citizens through free education and publicly funded libraries, two political initiatives that could encourage individuals to play a more active role in society. But what is a library, really? It already seems like there is so much more to this definition than we might think. Yes, it's a place for housing collections of books for people to borrow, but how else can we define our modern libraries? This is student and writer Sarah Hamm. I think they're a lot more expansive than that definition encompasses. For example, I've worked with university libraries, public libraries, government libraries, and even just my own collection of books. And all of those can be included in the definition of libraries. But besides just being a storehouse and a book lending service, there's so much more that a library is, in my opinion. I know, for example, my home branch has a music making station with a piano and relevant equipment so that people can come in and produce music. There's maker spaces, which include machines such as a 3D printer and other craft materials so that people can come in and create. And that goes a bit beyond the sort of book lending focus that the definition gave. I think libraries have a little bit of something for everyone. You've got Uh, a place for artists, for writers, for readers, definitely, and people who want to learn or to meet other people or just to create a community. And I think this expansiveness, uh, this sort of multiplicity of what a library is, is key to both the present and future of libraries. While some are just restricted to book lending based on their resources or their idea of what a library should be, 
Most of the ones I've been involved with go above and beyond this service to provide community events, resources, and more. And this to me is the future of libraries, as a community space for youth, creators, new Canadians, as a safe space to learn and teach and play and volunteer and work, and as an equalizing space, which is accessible to everyone in terms of language, physical accessibility, and also the increasingly more relevant ability to use technology. Sarah is participating in this online event organized by the Toronto International Festival of Authors in partnership with the Harborfront Centre. This event is part of Nordic Bridges 2022, an initiative led by the Harborfront Centre fostering cultural exchange between the Nordic region and Canada throughout the year. As you may have guessed, Sarah's natural habitat is the library, so much so that Sarah has previously been helping libraries to attract more young people. In my high school years, around 2014 to 2018, I volunteered with Ruthie Dickinson Branch's um, Teen Advisory Group, or TAG. So if I say TAG, that's what I'm referring to. Um, This was a group of other teens where we planned community events, such as writing festivals, um, book nights where we celebrated a certain book or author, and other just events to help get teens engaged with the library. To have an advisory board that represents the surrounding society is just one way to engage library users. Design is another approach. Someone who has a lot of experience with the subject is Anne-Rachel Schiffman. She's the director of Snöhetta, an international architecture firm founded in Norway. A library is a place. It's not just a resource. So it's, it's about thinking um, what is the right library for, for the context, for a city, for a society, um, where it's going to be. In today's society, information is everywhere. So therefore, a, a library really must fulfill a much larger role in, than just being the sole provider of information. It really, it really has to become a place of gathering, a social hub, a community center, a home. In designing libraries, we really approach them first and foremost for the people. There's different things we look at. Obviously, we want to be building this with the community. Um, It has to be aspirational. There needs to be goal setting. Uh, We want to bring in a a diverse uh, set of people and users into the space. Um, uh, It has to be contextual. Um, we create uh, libraries within a larger ecosystem. Uh, it's physical, it's social, it's cultural. So, so this is something, for example, that we did uh, at the uh, New Central Library in Calgary. And really the client's brief was uh, what shaped um, the, the outcome uh, in a way. And one of their main directives was to make it an accessible space, not only physical, but emotionally accessible to everybody, to the city. And having these strong criteria is often what makes a library just more than just a building. It makes it a place, a community place to go. Calgary's Central Library is not the only library that Snurhet has designed. The firm kick-started its career in 1989 with a winning design for the new library in Alexandria, Egypt. Libraries come in all shapes and sizes. While these so-called beating hearts of our communities are mainly run by paid staff, 
Many libraries worldwide exist due to hardworking volunteers. Librarian Anne Dixon started off as a volunteer herself. After I moved to Alaska to a small rural community uh, north of Anchorage on the road system, uh, I volunteered in that, in that small library and uh, then be- started working there part-time and eventually became the director of that library, uh, which I did for 10 years. And when you're a director of a, a small library, public library, you do everything from emptying the garbage to uh, ordering books, um, managing the budget, doing the programs. Uh, so you get a good overview of all the things that are possible. I did that for about 10 years, and then I took some time off to write and raise my daughters and earn my master's degree in uh, library and information science. Uh, With my degree in hand, I worked in school libraries uh, for K through six, and then uh, a little bit in middle school and high school libraries. And then I moved to Homer, uh, where I was the director of the Homer Public Library, uh, a mid-sized library. And one of the fun things we got to do was uh, take advantage of an opportunity to purchase a bookmobile, a small bookmobile um, at a very good price. And so we jumped on that. And ever since then, we've been uh, running Bob Books on Board, the bookmobile uh, with all volunteers um, seasonally and uh, trying to get out into the community uh, where it's harder for people to get to the library uh, because we cover a very large geographic area. Our main focus is books for youth, but we do also have um, books, some books for adults. I live in a city with easy access to library facilities, but this is not always the case in rural communities. In remote areas, bookmobiles like the one that Anne runs in Homer can provide equal access to the library's archives. Part of the reason that we have uh, the bookmobile is because in our part of Alaska, libraries are very decentralized. Each little town either has their own library or they don't have a library. And so, uh, and there are very, there are many small communities, but spread far apart. And so that's one of the reasons uh, that we wanted to start up this library service with the bookmobile. It's pretty encouraging to think what joy and curiosity the books from the bookmobile are bringing to citizens, don't you think? The information held in all kinds of libraries can teach us many things. Through books, we can explore other worlds and perspectives. But what about the stories that are told rather than written? The Human Library is an NGO founded by Ronnie Abergel. This is a library of people rather than books. With this approach in mind, it comes as no surprise that Ronnie sees libraries as social spaces. A library is also a meeting place, and it's defined for us by the unique quality of being the most inclusive institution that we have in our society. It's a place where everyone is welcome, and the same rules apply to everyone. So there's sort of an equality there that you just won't get elsewhere. Uh, Everywhere else has a more limited agenda or even, um, you know, uh, has different barriers to include everyone from the community. The library will welcome anybody, no matter who you are, as long as you sort of abide by the few rules that are there. 
And so we embrace that, embrace the, the welcoming nature of this institution, the educational dimension of the institution and said, what if we could get people that have really their own uh, personal knowledge and experience uh, to volunteer as open books and help us challenge what we think we know about other groups in the community. So to be another source for information, another source of learning, but on a more individual basis, you could say it would be like sitting across from the author and asking them, what did you mean when you wrote in chapter nine on page six? Instead, you could just ask the person right there. Hmm, that makes me think what kind of person I would like to borrow from the human library. It's quite a unique opportunity. The people we publish as open books at our libraries, we do that a lot at libraries specifically because it is the place in the community where people come together, where they um, they come for a wealth of reasons and to find a wealth of information. And now there is the riches and the extra dimension that we could add, where we have volunteers from your community there. One could be bipolar, one could be a transgender, or someone could have a refugee background, or someone could have a disability or an occupation that you have your ideas about. Because our library is based on the premise that we all have unconscious bias. We all navigate diversity uh, per survival instinct to get home safe. And so we'll put different people who are strange to us in different boxes. And sometimes we're so busy and, and it's not easy for you know, to get everything done in a day. So to stop and revisit some of the judgments we pass during the day is not common. And there is not a lot of safe spaces in our community where we could sit down and talk to someone that has that lived experience and not be afraid to offend them or to be sort of uh, breaking the social norm or maybe triggering something and making them offended. It just this is the opportunity to embrace a chance to learn and explore, but the source is not a book. It's not media. It's not internet. It's a real person sitting there uh, that volunteered and welcomes your questions. There's no doubt that today's libraries are much more than places to borrow books. A library is an open space where everyone can meet and participate. It's a place to stay, a place to build knowledge, a place to study, or even a place to participate in society. And let's not forget the role that libraries play for underprivileged parts of society. Anne Dixon, you know the librarian who operates Homer's Bookmobile, also serves on the board of Friends of the Homer Library. According to her, libraries have historically accommodated socially marginalized people. People who didn't have a home came to the library to hang out or get warm or wash up. And then for a while, there was a public perception that, oh, this is a, you know, this is a bad thing that the library shouldn't allow this. And now we finally, I think, are getting to the point where society is realizing this is a serious problem and we really need to deal with it. So I think the libraries are so connected to the communities that they reflect what's going on in the community and are sort of like the um, canary in the mine or, you know, as far as picking up on, on what those issues can be. Ronnie is also well aware of how the individuals you can borrow through the human library represent social groups in society. 
when we go into the libraries, I believe we're bringing in so many new partnership opportunities for libraries to engage with, because all the groups that are in our library represent large groups in the community as well. Uh, so it's a way of sort of becoming a, a, a community connector in a, in a nervous system way that the literature had to do before, but now it's happening sort of in person at these events inside the library. So that's how we use our volunteers to come in and sort of create content and, and community activities. It's what's written in the pages of the books that plays a crucial role in making the library relevant for new generations of users. As a member of the Library and Archives Canada Youth Advisory Council, Sarah is helping to select titles that are relevant to younger audiences. You've gathered these youth from all across Canada with diverse perspectives, backgrounds, identities, and you're sort of asking them, how do we shape the future uh, through our, our um, looking at the past? Um, so, yeah, a lot of what we do is to look at how the information is organized, because that tells us a lot about how the information will be understood and getting that youth perspective on how youth and basically future generations want to access that information and process it, that helps us to create sort of the future of what we will understand of the past. Digitalization has changed modern life in so many ways. And even though digital solutions are improving efficiency in some cases, they're also leading us to less human contact and personalized assistance in our libraries. And physical interaction with other people is necessary, no matter your age, gender, interest, religion, or social status. So to remain accessible to everyone, modern libraries might have to balance their offline and online offers. In a digitalized world, part of our history only exists on the internet. So how should libraries decide on how to archive this shared history? We were talking with one of the directors for... Um, when the the cabinet was shuffled up, the new people coming into office, they need to decide what information is relevant to be archived within the national archives. So for example, if the prime minister tweets something, does that get put in the archive or do we trust that the internet will keep it forever? So it's really this idea of what becomes part of the archive. Um, and that's something that I'm really glad they consulted youth on because I feel like people of different generations would have different ideas of whether or not social media could be constituted as something that needs to be archived. So if some libraries have also started to archive social media posts, what other services should they be expected to provide in the 21st century? There is a risk that we end up with the library being too much more than a library. But I think in, in view of the fact that it is the most inclusive institution in our community and looking into the depths of the polarization that we have now in the U.S. and elsewhere, then I think we need more institutions to take responsibility to create places of unity, whether that be the library or a public park or whatever it is. We need more of that. So I, I don't think libraries need to be afraid of this uh, development. I, rather, they think I, they should embrace it because it repositions them in the middle of the society, in the middle of community, with one of the most important roles, making sure we are together as a community. According to Ronnie, libraries should focus on building stronger communities. When libraries give people access to the internet, they support crucial social processes, such as applying for a job, paying taxes, 
receiving messages from the healthcare system, or simply gaining new knowledge. This might not be a relevant service to all visitors, but Anne Rachel has experienced just how important this access is to some. I remember at the opening of the Central Library, um, it started, I think it opened at eight o'clock in the morning. And I think by nine o'clock, every single seat uh, was taken. People already used it. We sometimes forget how many people do not have access to the infrastructure the library can provide. After listening to Sarah, Anne, Rachel, Ronnie, and Anne, it's clear that libraries are a fundamental part of society. So if we as citizens should do something to contribute to the survival of our libraries, what would that be? Let's hear from Sarah first. I would like to issue a challenge to our audience. It's not very hard um, to visit your library either in person, if that's safe, um, COVID-wise, or online, and to explore what events are offered. Because from my experience, people are not aware of the diverse sort of services the library offers. There's really so much more than the Oxford definition gives of a book lending service. so, so yeah, if you could go and check out your library, maybe talk to the librarians or browse the event schedule and just find a way to involve yourself with it. Um, I think that would be very helpful to communicate to the library what it is you in the community need. And also you're going to get something out of it, whether it's book recommendations, new friends, a community. Um, so that's my challenge to you. I'd say to... To, to come out and support your library. The reason why libraries are continuously threatened is because we don't use them enough. Uh, and we need to use them more so that they can see how appreciated they are. Because that's why they, they tear away at all the things that, that seem to be out of the middle and center and the heart of, the, of our attention. So we gotta keep our attention on the library at all times. And if you do that, like you just heard, you're gonna discover a world of opportunity. And here's Anne Rachel from Snurheta. Come out, support your library, and and understanding that um, that mobile libraries can reach communities far, but it needs to have a strong home base. And maybe then, you know, understanding how large or how focused that home base is. But for sure, like it's it's often libraries are the the, the beating heart and and soul of a of a. a city of a, of a uh, social construct. I love that image, to think of today's libraries as the beating heart of all local communities. And now let's hear from Anne, the librarian from Homer. She'll be the last to give her best advice on how to support our libraries. I agree with everyone else's suggestions, but I, I would say um, pay attention to issues that may come up and it's really important to support a library um, if there's supporting the library budget, supporting a building project, if there's a, a censorship issue or um, defending the, the, the freedom to read. Those are all so important. And a lot of times um, political forces that happen, uh, if there's people, people who don't use the library don't realize how many people do use the library. And so they may propose cuts or something. And when the when the public comes forward and and stands up for their library, then sometimes they are very surprised and will 
um, change their minds when they realize how important the library is to a community. I'm confident that libraries will continue to be a central part of our societies. After all, they offer such a wide range of services, from their ability to gather people from different backgrounds to the events that they host and their personal and digital guidance on books. The next time you go to a library to borrow a book, be curious about what else your library can offer. Who knows, you might even end up boring another person and learning something new about someone different than yourself. Do you want to organize your own Nordic Talks event? Check out nordictalks.com for all of the resources that you'll need to get started. I'm Afton Halloran. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 